What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Mike Heitman Show, your place for fun, entertainment, absurdity, and inspiration. It's Wednesday, and that means it's hump day. Really? Because it's the middle of the week, you pervs. I mean, sure, people could get, you know, amorous on a Wednesday, I suppose, but that's not why it's called hump day. It's because it's the middle of the week. But what that means for us is we are going to be talking about all things relationship-related on Wednesdays. There's really no set thing that I'm going to do potentially every week. I feel like I need to tell stories about my dating life. I would love to have other people come on the podcast at some point and talk about their experiences in dating and relationships. I want to share things that I've learned things that didn't go so well for me. So hopefully you don't make those same mistakes. And then also talk about the trends in our country when it comes to dating and relationships. Since it's the beginning of 2022, it's a brand new year. Let's start off with the beginning of what it usually is either a budding romance or a plane going down in flames. And that is your very first date. I've had a lot of really interesting first dates over the years, and I feel like there's definitely some things that we can all learn from my experiences and also the plights of others as are found on the internet. So let's go to some terrible first dates and see how these turned out. Just, you know, just in case you need a little bit of a reminder that, sure, your dating life either is or may have been really terrible. But was it as bad as some of these? This first one, the person writing in says, I was done with the date when she said she needed to take a wee as we walked down a back alley to the next bar. She pulled her jeans down, took a shit behind a bin, then searched in the bin and wiped with a sheet of newspaper. I was totally infatuated with her after working with her for only a few months, and in just 30 seconds, it disappeared fast. Look, we all have had to go to the bathroom in inopportune times, but you're walking in an alley between bars. I mean, I guess she was so drunk that she didn't really realize how bad she had to go. Or maybe it was just one of those things where it just hits you. But I feel like there's a big difference between, hey, I got to take a wee or I got to go pee or take, you know, there's all kinds of ways that we say that. And just going and just dropping a twosie. And then she wiped with a sheet of newspaper, which she must have found on the ground, which who knows where that's been. I mean, this is just gross. Ugh. That's rough. This next one says, I met up with a guy from Tinder at a brewery, and he was clearly already intoxicated. He showed up on a street bike with a broken leg in a full cast, mind you. I asked what happened, and he told me his baby mama ran it over after he bashed all the windows out of her car because she was cheating. I left 10 seconds later. Common knowledge states that you should always put your best foot forward on your first date. You shouldn't lie, but you also don't need to tell them all of your drama and your baggage on the first date. I mean, unless that's your MO and you just want to really weed people out from the get-go. 
But if you show up showing that your baby mama, which means that you're going to be connected to them forever, clearly is violent enough to run over your leg to the point that you are in a full cast, kind of think that's not going to go so well. Ain't nobody got time for that kind of drama. Are you kidding me? No way. This next one says, I had a first date where the guy worked at a shoe store and all he did was talk about shoes and spend the entire time guessing what size feet I had. I mean, maybe that's one of his things is he's got a foot fetish. But I I was trying to think, how would this go down if it was a different profession, right? Because shoes, in, in the grand scheme of things, is pretty harmless, really. I mean, you could do the same with clothing. It's not great, but I feel like there's far worse, right? If they were looking you up and down and wondering if you would be a great cage fighter or uh, if you were having a meal and they start asking you questions if you've ever competitively ate, you know, are you going to go in a hot dog eating contest or a chicken wing contest? Because it looks like you got the build for it or you seem to really be able to hold down a lot of food. Or maybe he's even creepier with something that's innocuous. Like, let's say that you are a news person and maybe you're on some kind of TV or media outlet that's online. You're like, oh, you read the news, huh? I bet you do. I bet you like reading the news, all those stories, putting your little spin on it, making sure you enunciate All those different little things, bringing out those special little words, make it just sound so good. I bet you're so good at it. Like that would be legitimately creepy, super creepy. Gross! Even though what the person is saying isn't necessarily bad, it's just awful the way it comes out. This last one actually reminds me of one of the dates that I had a long time ago, but it says... I had just downloaded OkCupid, and this guy was the first date from it. We met at a pub, and all he did was talk about himself. Well, that's not the part from my dates that this thing reminded me of, but I digress. I'll get to that later. I could tell he wasn't very mature. Again, not... Well, I'm I'm not very mature sometimes. But anyway, and we didn't have a lot in common. He said, let's go for a drive. I want to show you something. Already, your spidey sense should be, like, really going off. Let's go for a drive. I want to show you something, stranger. Hmm. It didn't take me long to realize how stupid I was to get in a stranger's car, especially when it was getting dark and he drove us into a deserted park area. Thankfully, he just sang badly to me in the car while I hid the horror on my face. On the way back to my car, it came up that I was vegan And he said, I wasn't skinny enough to be vegan and that he could never date a vegan. Fine by me. So this guy, clearly, he he doesn't know how to read a room. But anyway, this is this is how my dating story goes into this. It wasn't OkCupid. It was Tinder. And I met this person and she was nice. But in talking with her and. We also went for a drive. It wasn't like we just met and then we went for a drive. Like we we had been texting for a week or so. 
but this was the first time that we had hung out. We eventually stop and we watch the sunset. It was really nice, and we started kissing and getting amorous. And normally when you kiss, you don't open your eyes, but I happened to open my eyes, and uh, I looked, and she was staring at her purse. And so I stopped kissing her, and I was like, you okay? And she said, well, my phone's going off, and it's my sister. I'm like, okay, what, what's up with your sister? And she said, well, she's just really concerned, you know, because you're this guy from the internet. I don't know you, and she just wants to make sure I'm safe. I'm like, look, I totally get it. Uh, why don't you just text her, say, hey, I gave her my name. Like, some people don't even give their real names on first dates. I always gave them my first name, my real name. And then in this case, I was like, look, this is my full name. It's Mike Heitman. You can tell her. And this is where we are at. And just let her know that you're safe and that it shouldn't, there shouldn't be any problem. Because I'm not here to have you do anything that you don't want to do. I'm not one of those dudes. She's like, okay, okay, you're right, you're right. She texts her and puts her phone back in her purse, and we continue to do what we were doing. A little bit later, I happened to open my eyes again, and she's staring at it again. I'm like, your sister? She's like, yeah, she's still, she like won't stop. I'm like, okay, look, just to reiterate, I'm not here to make you do anything that you don't want to do. This is all consensual. If you don't feel comfortable, we can go back. It's totally fine. Uh, but... You know, this is really kind of weird. Like, you've told her my name. You've told her where we are. You know what you should do, actually? Why don't you send her a pinpoint, a GPS pinpoint from your phone that shows her the exact coordinates where you are right now and say, look, this is exactly where we are. He hasn't done anything that I don't want to do. We are fine. Like, you could text something like that and just reassure her that I'm not here to hurt you or anything like that. She's like, I know, I know. It's just my mom died recently and she's overprotective. I'm like, look, I get it. I get it. Again, we don't have to do this. But if we are going to continue doing this, then, you know, put the phone away, send the text, put the phone away and let's not be bothered by this. She's like, you're right, you're right. Okay. So she sends the text and I thought she turned off her phone. Well... You know, my car at the time wasn't exactly big. So we went to the backseat and we were kissing some more. And then I see her looking again up into the front seat with her light blinking, you know, from her phone, you know, for the notification or whatever. And that's when I was just like, I'm done. I, I'm not going to keep doing this. Okay. Not going to do it. So we start driving back. And she saw that I had a watermelon energy drink. And she says, oh, I didn't know they made watermelon energy drinks. And I said, yeah, they're, they're actually really good, especially for being zero calorie, which I, for those of you who are energy drink connoisseurs like I am or was for a while, your zero calorie energy drinks are either really, really amazing or awful. There's really no in between. And watermelon happens to be one of my favorite flavors as well. And she says, ugh, that's gross. I'm like, wait, 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 what? Why do you think it's gross? She's like, I hate watermelon. I understand that there are people who don't like watermelon, the fruit, but they like the artificial flavor or vice versa. And then, of course, there are some people that don't like watermelon, period. 
And so I had to clarify because this is very odd. And so I said, okay, well, just to clarify, do you not like the fruit, the natural flavor, or both? She's like, ugh, no, I hate both. They're disgusting. And this is when I knew that I had a terrorist in my car and I need to get back to her car as quickly as possible because what kind of person doesn't like watermelon? Okay, it's amazing in, well, in my opinion, any of its forms, but at least in one of those two forms, you clearly need extra screening at airports. I'm, I'm concerned about you and that's how it relates to the story that came that I did right before this because it was the whole vegan thing came out what was interesting is then I turned that situation into a litmus test so every single person I have gone on a date with that I wanted to have a second date with I always asked them if they liked watermelon and so far the ones that have said yes have all turned out to be people that I enjoyed spending at least one more date with now of course they didn't all pan out right but at least the next date was was more fun and and stuff like that this next segment is going to be called street light situations and don't don't get any weird ideas here it's it's really more about the colors than it is about the fact that it's a street light and the as we all know street lights are red yellow and green meaning stop yield and go And so let's talk about situations where, depending on the person, this would be a red light, a yellow light, or a green light. Number one, if he noticed someone checking me out, he would immediately point out my flaws, like a pimple on my face or my weight. He would also tell me when he thought another girl was prettier than me and would always brush it off as a joke. But I knew deep down he wasn't joking. Yeah, that would definitely be a deal breaker for me. That would be a red flag. Like, you don't do that. You're just trying to make a joke out of somebody's personal appearance. Especially when it's something that could be very triggering or sensitive for them. Fortunately for me, hair jokes don't bother me. But for a while, they did. You know, and so if somebody was constantly pointing out all the dudes with really good hair when I was back in that phase of my life, uh, that would be very like disheartening and, and would bring down my self-esteem quite a bit. That's definitely a red light. Like, there's the door, honey. Like, I, I don't need that kind of negativity in my life. Another one here is, I had been texting this guy for a couple weeks. We hadn't even met in person yet. One day he invited me over but said I couldn't wear any makeup in his house. He said he hated makeup and he, he'd make me take it off before I came in if I showed up wearing any. So this person clearly is controlling. Don't get me wrong, there are dudes out there that prefer a more natural look. And this is not a, a statement of that's how I think it should be. I'm just pointing out that there are guys like that. You know, there are some women who love makeup. It's one of their things. It's one of their passions. There are even dudes that like it too, right? It's at least a yellow for me, but more like a red is where he demands that he will make them take it off. And if you haven't even met in person yet and he's already that controlling, I can't imagine that it's going to go well. 
All right, this next one is a little bit tricky, I think. It says, on the second date, they said, I'm so glad you're so intelligent because I couldn't deal with us having stupid kids. Now, on the one hand, depending on the inflection of that, that could actually be a really funny joke and actually a compliment. So in that sense, it would be a green light if having kids was something that I or the person hearing it wanted to have. On the other hand, I really don't see a lot of people wanting to talk about kids on the second date unless that is one of the big life goals that you have. So it's definitely a yellow or a green. It's it's not a red flag. I look, people can people can get upset about saying that they don't want to deal with st- stupid kids. Well, as a person who has kids and has taught in schools, just because a kid may not be the smartest person doesn't mean that they aren't lovable, doesn't mean that they don't have value, but sometimes depending on what they are, quote unquote, stupid in, that can make your your uh, parenting a lot harder. I can see how that would be a red flag for that person if they were going on dates with people or ended up in a relationship with someone who they felt would not be of a certain intelligence level. Doesn't mean I agree with it. I can at least see the logic in it. Also, I don't think necessarily that the IQ of the two people that come together to make a child necessarily is how that IQ is transferred. I'm sure Einstein's parents or any of the major thinkers in world history, I highly doubt that every single one of them came from parents who were also brilliant in their own way and therefore they added their IQs together to create this incredible human being with this incredible IQ. That's, I mean, I'm not a a doctor or a scientist, but I really don't think that's how that works. So to just cast people out because they appear to be not as intelligent as you would like them to be is uh, kind of a dumb move. Now that we've all had the heartwarming stories of what it's like dealing with red, yellow, and green lights and terrible Tinder dates, why don't we actually end today's episode with something a little more heartwarming and uplifting? And this is one of my favorite love stories ever, partially because it's true, and also the poetry in this relationship of the things that happened is one that is for the movies. And it actually has been made into certain movies, but we don't know about them really because we're not European here in the United States. And these two people came from Sweden. And their names were Anna Charlia and Neil Strindberg. Anna was a governess in Sweden. And Niels was a house teacher for one of the families that, that Anna worked for. Niels also, his big claim to fame, was the photographer for the Andre expedition. The Andre Expedition was an expedition by three Swedish men, Niels, Solomon Andre, and Knut Frankel, and their goal was to take a hydrogen balloon and launch off the island of Svalbard, which is halfway between Norway and the Arctic Circle, and be the first people in the world to ever get to the North Pole via hydrogen balloon. 
Eight months prior to the launch in 1897, Niels and Anna were engaged. Like most engaged couples, they were madly in love with each other. And this was very apparent from Niels's writings. So let's flash forward to they take off from Svalbard. And now Niels's job is to take pictures. Well, I mean, there's only so many hours in a day that you can take pictures, right? So what are you going to do with that other time when you're madly in love with your fiance in 1897? You're going to write letters to her, knowing full well that Amazon Prime is not a thing on the North Pole and that she won't get these letters until you get back. They are up in the air for three days and they eventually crash. They made it pretty far, actually. They were about halfway between where the edge of the Arctic Circle is and the North Pole. But they had to make a decision because they didn't have enough provisions to go all the way to the North Pole and get back. So Andre had to make the decision of, well, do we accomplish our goal and get there and hope that somebody finds us before we die? Or do we go back to the water, hope that there's somebody else driving by Uh, in a ship that'll take us to Svalbard and then we can try again another time. They chose the latter. And so they start walking for a long time. And when they stop, of course, they set up camp and Niels will write. One of the most heartwarming things in this whole entire story is when Niels wrote a letter to Anna on her birthday. Now remember, there's no Amazon Prime, And really, the only way that they could keep track of days is by counting the days that passed from the day that they left. So Niels had to literally count from that day to her birthday. It's just a little bit crazy to think about that level of love and commitment in today's day and age. I don't really know many dudes that would literally count the days from the last time that they either saw their significant other or a certain event happened to their birthday. I kind of feel like they would probably guess and write it down and say it was on their birthday. That's just me. I mean, it is the thought that counts, really, but he also says to her, how I wish I could tell you now, Anna, that we're going to be back when we say that we were going to. Because he feared that he wouldn't even be back by her next birthday. More time passes. They try and try to get to the edge. But they don't make it. They end up dying on the ice. Again, this is 1897, maybe 1898 at this point. Then in the 1930s, A random Russian scientific expedition is doing some work up there about plant life. And they find the remains of these three explorers. When they finally understand who they are, they bring them back to Stockholm. And there's this big celebration and memorialization and their bodies are cremated and their ashes are spread but what about Anna 
Anna knew that after a while, hadn't having not heard from Niels, that her fears are now her reality. Now, that didn't stop her from two things. One, it didn't stop her from living her life. She did eventually get married. But it also didn't stop her love for Niels. She never forgot about him. Her heart was always with Niels, even though she did love someone else. Let's fast forward now to where it's about her time to pass away. Her husband's already dead. And she makes a very special wish for how she wants to have her passing be dealt with. And this is the most beautiful thing about this whole story. Instead of having her body cremated and her ashes spread or being placed near her husband's, she took a different route. She did love her husband, there's no doubt about that, but she clearly knew that her soulmate was Niels. So instead of having her body cremated and being placed next to her husband, she went a different route and she had two burials. They buried her body except for one part next to her husband. And that was her heart. They took the ashes from her heart and they spread it in the same place as Niels's, showing the world, showing Niels, and showing herself where her heart always was and always will be. And that, I think, is the kind of love that is so beautiful and sadly so rare. So if you find yourself there at some point in your life, do your best to not fuck it up. And on that lovely note, that is the end of the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe, share, engage with the content that I'm putting out on Instagram. And I will be back on Friday with another episode. Make sure to tune in. I will be doing the Diablo challenge, as I mentioned on Monday's show. And until then, hope you have a great rest of your day and see you Friday.